The Shabbos before Purim is called Shabbos Zachar. And the reason it's called Shabbos Zachar is because we have an extra reading in the Torah tomorrow where we read a section of the Torah where it tells us the mitzvah to remember what Amalek did to us. Zachar is Asher Asalacha. Amalek, remember what Amalek did to us. Amalek is, of course, this tremendously evil nation. They're the ones who always attacked, were always ready to attack the Jewish people. They attacked us just after we leave Mitzrayim. They attack us later in the desert. Amalek is that, that arch enemy of the Jewish people. So much so that there's this mitzvah in the Torah to obliterate Amalek, to destroy Amalek. We have later in history where the whole story with Shoal Hamalech, where he was told to go to battle against Amalek. So we have a mitzvah to destroy that nation of Amalek. Um, and not only a mitzvah to destroy the nation, but a mitzvah to remember it. To remember what they did, and then that remembrance leads us to destroying them. And that mitzvah is read in the Torah tomorrow, right before Purim, because Purim, of course, the uh, the story of Purim is because of the very wicked Haman, who's the one who um, who instigated and inspired the plot, the decree to destroy the Jewish people. And Haman himself is a descendant of Amalek. So therefore, right before Purim, we read this parsha about remembering Amalek and, and the uh, mitzvah of the destruction of Amalek. Now the question is, why is there such a big deal about the remembering part? Right? If Hashem wants us to destroy Amalek, so that's the mitzvah, that when we have the ability, again today that's something that's not possible in any way, and we don't even have an Amalek anymore, um, that we know of. But, um, so there's a mitzvah to destroy Amalek, but why the emphasis on remembering and why does remembering become a mitzvah for itself and so much so that the the one time a year that we have this a Torah special Torah reading um, is to remember remember Amalek why why the emphasis on remembering Amalek and the the Rebbe explains something very beautiful <clears throat> and that is when we talk about destroying Amalek we're not merely talking about a nation a people that existed once upon a time a long time ago but we're talking about something that they represent a type of evil, a type of wickedness that's unique to them and that's so terrible that the only way to deal with it is to destroy it. So we have this mitzvah to destroy that type of evil, that type of negativity and uh, unholiness that there exists in the world. But in order for a person to ever go out and affect something else, they first have to make sure that they themselves don't have the problem within themselves in some form. Um, and that's the true parts of the mitzvah of remembering and destroying. Remembering is personal. Um, before one sets out to destroy an evil, whatever evil it is, one must very, very closely examine themselves to see that they are rid of that evil internally. And that's what the remembering part is. <clears throat> We're supposed to reflect on what a malik is and deal with it on a personal level. And only then, only when one has perfected themselves, eradicated, make sure that that evil doesn't apply to them, then can they move on to the second step and find it outside of themselves and deal with it there as well. So, what is the evil of Amalek? What does it represent? And there's uh, numerous answers to this question. We'll take one angle here today. Um, Amalek represents an evil which is, I'll give you the Hebrew quote, Yodeya esri boinoy umechavin limroid boy. Literally, he knows his master and intends to rebel in him. Meaning, most people or most uh, entities sin or act negative because they don't understand something or don't see something or something is concealed from them. Amalek represents one who sees godliness, knows godliness, 
appreciates it for what it is, believes in it, understands it, but intentionally rebels against it. And that's a whole different level of evil, of wickedness, to rebel knowingly when one is clear in their knowledge and understanding of something and yet to rebel against it. And where does that play itself out in the story of Amalek? Because the Jewish people had just left Egypt and this was accompanied with tremendous miracles. You know, we read in the Chumash, we have the Ten Plagues and we have Kriyas Yamsuf, the splitting of the sea. We're talking about a, a nation that the entire world is stunned because Egypt is this world power and, and, and this nation is able to overthrow the uh, yoke of Egypt miraculously. Now, one can imagine that everyone was very, wouldn't start up with the Jewish people, would be afraid. If you see that there's this miraculous relationship that they have with Hashem, so you'll, you'll stay away whether you like them or you don't. Amalek attacks, knowing that they're going to be defeated, because if the Jewish people were able to defeat the Egyptians miraculously, there's no reason they shouldn't defeat the Amalekites, which they do. But Amalek doesn't care. Amalek is not impressed or deterred by the clarity of the situation, nevertheless, they express their evil, their wickedness. And that's what Amalek represents. Again, Yudea Esri they know about Hashem, they see Hashem, they experience Hashem, and yet, that doesn't affect them. Mechavim Limri they have this desire to rebel and go against and express their wickedness. And that's why they are so evil and so wicked and must be destroyed. The question becomes, so where do we find that in ourselves? If the idea here is, that we explain the two mitzvahs of remembering and destroying, that the remembering is the internal part of it, where one finds that within themselves in order to destroy and deal with that outside of themselves. So where will one find within themselves this concept of seeing godliness and rebelling? Um, that would seem to be very, very negative, very evil, and something that most of us might find difficult finding within ourselves. So how do we go about searching for that? And here we'll use a drop of a Kabbalistic idea. The Pasuk says, um, when it's talking about Amalek in the Torah, um, Hashem says, I put my arm on um, Hashem's hand, so to speak, on his seat, and, he, and he, on his throne, and he swears that, uh, and that uh, Amalek has to be destroyed. But the name used for Hashem is Yud K, Yud, Yud and He, which are the first two letters of Hashem's name. Right? Hashem's primary name has four letters, the Yud, and then the He, and then the Vav, and then the He. But over here, Hashem's name is sort of cut in half, and it says that Hashem uh, swears with the name Yud and He. Hashem's name is cut in half. So the Medrash tells us, Hashem says, my name is incomplete as long as Amalek is still in the world. And as Amalek has to be destroyed, and otherwise, until they're destroyed, my name is incomplete. And obviously there's, there's depth to this, why is Hashem's name incomplete? And it seems to be saying that Amalek represents or creates a lack of completion of Hashem's name. And again, what does that mean Kabbalistically? So very quickly, Hashem's great name, the Yud and the He and the Vav and the He, is Kabbalistically explained uh, many times, and it's in Tanya, that, they, that one, of their, one of the explanations of the letters is that they reflect the basic system of a person, of the, of the ten um, attributes of a person, which come from the ten attributes within Hashem. And the way it's broken down is that the first two letters, the Yud and the He, are the intellectual components. The Yud being Chachma, wisdom, and the He being Bina, which is understanding. Versus the second two letters are the Midos, which is the emotions, and the actions. Right? A person has intellect, their understanding, then there's emotions, then there's bringing that emotion into action, speech and action and so on. So if you break down Hashem's name into two, the first two letters are the intellectual aspects, and the second two are the emotional and action-oriented aspects of we are. So when we say Hashem's name is incomplete, that means 
we separate the intellect from the emotion slash action. And to bring this back to what we were referring to, the splitting of intellect versus emotion and action, that's emolik, that's amolik on its most refined level. Because what that means is that a person says, yes, I understand something, but that's not going to affect me emotionally. And that definitely won't affect what I do about it. And this is something that we can all too often find within ourselves. Yes, there are things that we learn, there are things that we understand, there are things that we comprehend, but they remain merely intellectual and they don't affect us further. They don't trickle down to our emotions and definitely not to our actions. This, in the long run, can lead to an Amalek who says, I recognize God, but I rebel. Because, again, in a very refined way, what we're saying is, yes, I understand, but it doesn't affect me. So, when, so to bring it back, when we're saying that first we have to look into ourselves, reflect, zakhor, and find our own little hidden amalek before we go off to deal with a big amalek. So what we're looking for is where our intellect is re remains purely intellectual. And many times we don't even allow that what we understand intellectually should trickle down and affect us emotionally and in action. And ultimately to be, to be a, a yid and to follow Hashem's ways is specifically when our intellect is a vehicle to lead us to our emotions and then to lead us in our actions to behave in the way that Hashem instructs us in His Torah and in that way to have that full, fullness of connection and relationship with Hashem. Have a wonderful Shabbos.